there. I'll give a three, two, one, kind of give an intro, uh, allow you to introduce yourself, and we're just kind of rolls. Does that sound good? Sounds like a plan to me. Cool. Oh, quick question. Um, uh, would you like me to refer to you as Anthony or AJ today? Oh, we could do Anthony. I think that's what you'll find on LinkedIn. But really, it's AJ. So I'll 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 do the call out if you give me the opportunity. Okay. Yeah, cool. All right. So um, <clears throat> so I've also kind of fighting a cold. Uh, and point being is that like I'm getting good at editing my own coughs out of here. I'm getting, I'm pretty good at muting them out. Um, but don't worry about saying anything perfectly. Or if you like uh, think about the conversation later, uh, and you want anything changed or like cut out, uh, I could definitely do that for you. I appreciate that. Yep, cool. So, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, we're giving it a three, two, one. Welcome to the Talent Gap. I'm your host, James Menger. This is a show about how to make the hiring and job search experience better for everyone. I'm really excited for today's uh, uh, guest because Anthony Vaughn joins me to talk about a vital part of how to network. Anthony, uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, James? Um, you know, it's weird here in New Jersey. It was a uh, kind of spring over the like the, on Saturday, but it's literally you're kind of snowing today. So aside from that, I'm doing great. Yeah, likewise, it's snowing where I'm at right now. Uh, there's about there's about 18 inches of snow. I'm just joking. Oh my gosh! No, it's, hey, it's possible. <laughs> I believe you. No, no, no. It's uh, just some flurries out here. Um, so I'm a little confused about the East Coast weather, but we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Thanks. Well. Hopefully it normalizes. We can feel the sunshine again. Yep. Um, well, weather aside, I'm glad that uh, uh, that you could join us today uh, to talk about networking. But before we kind of dive into this, like uh, 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 how networking permeates through one's entire career and I guess life, really, could you give the audience uh, your elevator intro? Who are you and what do you do? I can. Yeah. So my name is Anthony Vaughn. Most people call me AJ. So let's just roll with it from there. Um, my my career, long story short, has been a wild ride that I'm still honestly trying to figure out. Um, I'm I'm now 31, going on 32. Started my career at 19. Uh, I built my first company then. It was a year round football academy with a partnership with the Under Armour. Um, we did a little under, we did a little over seven figures in revenue and, and 70 full time staff at our peak. Um, I made a series of mistakes in the people operation department that led to that business ending. Learned from those mistakes, got very deep into understanding everything from organizational structure and design to neuroscience to, you know, strategic people ops and many other facets and um, built a second brand behind the scenes that was actually in the partnership um, consulting and integration space, which takes a lot of networking. So we can talk about that. Um, but inevitably, long story short, I found myself as a head of people um, with a few different organizations around 25, 26 did that until the pandemic hit and found myself, you know, questioning what I would do next and uh, decided to go back out on my own. So I built out a company at the time that was called the E1B2 Collective, employees first, business second. Uh, at our peak, we were about 80 folks combined, um, spread across many different brands. There were about five at the time. Two of those brands survived beyond brand as well as beyond resume. And those are the brands that I run today. Um, I still have a podcast called the E1B2 Collective Podcast. We just passed about 700 episodes, so that's pretty fun. And um, I'm actually teetering between the idea of potentially going back in-house and, and staying an entrepreneur. And I, and I think I'll always run beyond brand and beyond resume. So um, I kind of look at it like a real estate portfolio. I'll always kind of keep those there. So um, that's kind of where I'm at and, and, and who I am and I'm a little bit of a hybrid, right? A lot of bit of an entrepreneur, an operator, a CEO, a founder. Um, spent about five, almost six years in houses ahead of people, considering going back in, trying to play some strategic role in a company and um, do a lot of speaking and writing and podcasting. So that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. And that's exactly why I asked you on to specifically talk about networking, because uh, of the many things and all the things that you just kind of talked about, uh, they all require you to kind of Put yourself out there, shake a lot of hands, shake a lot of virtual hands, have a lot of conversations, um, which is like, you know, what really makes you like the, the uh, a great person to talk about this because for a lot of different reasons. Well, it's chiefly because th through our own initial networking discussions, uh, you were actually the one to, uh, to suggest to me that I start this podcast that we're actually talking on 
Uh, I'm not up to like 70 so odd episodes there. I'm up to like a cool dozen. That's good. Um, yeah, uh, to, to, truth be told, this has been a really fun and informative like, uh, project for me. Um, first off, I get to learn a lot of things. Uh, secondly, it's really helped me in my own sort of like uh, put myself out there and then also uh, to g- gain uh, uh, um, brand awareness, personal brand uh, uh, awareness for myself and my company. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're not here to suggest that everyone like has to have a, a, a podcast, but you know, like everyone, they all, there are all these like adages and like, like cliches out there in terms of like business. It's not what you know, it's who you know, or you got a network, you got a network, but what does that actually mean? And especially since not everyone is going to be like extroverted or outgoing or introverted people out there. There are neurodiverse people out there. Um, there are people entering the workforce and or re-entering the workforce who have no idea to, like how to start doing this yet. They know they have to network. So I'm going to ask you a big question here, but if you're starting from complete scratch and you have no idea what you're doing, how does one do this? networking or what give me a goal let's start that way give me a goal what are they you know if we're starting from scratch what what are they inevitably trying to accomplish outside of just networking to be networking because that's actually that's actually the first tip that i i would give i think i think networking typically should be super intentional um and i think uh you should have a goal behind it so we'll let's let's come up with a theoretical goal Sure. No, like that in itself is a great, like you said, uh, uh, first tip there, because I think a lot of people are sort of uh, paralyzed or at least uh, uh, apprehensive about the enormity of all of it, because as you just kind of alluded to, uh, that can mean anything. You could be trying to network and shuffle and gain favor with even within inside your own family, right? Yep. Um, but under under the guise of I mean, the, the sort of like a uh, uh, topic of the show, let's say that you are... I don't know, uh, entry level to like just graduated or entering the workforce for the first time. I find that a lot of like, uh, uh, you know, kids for, for that matter, or like very young adults, yeah. um, they, they get that piece of paper and they get told, go get a job. And they mm. have no idea how to go do that. I think the first thing I would do if, um, I actually, I'll walk you through the whole process in my mind. I think the first thing I would do if I were to start all over again, I'm just coming out of school. I think the very first thing I would do was ask myself, what level of learning do I think I still need based off of whatever it is I'm trying to do? And the answer probably, if they're being honest with themselves, is uh, a lot. A lot of learning is probably needed and necessary. And so to do that, the second question I would ask myself is, what can I do day to day and or what questions can I ask my mom or dad if I'm blessed to financially make sure my life is at a decent enough level, right? So let's say you don't have the opportunity to live at home any longer. I would ask myself, can I DoorDash? Can I Uber? Can I do other things to make money for me to not have to have the pressure of my day-to-day job be based around um, making money? And follow with me here. So I would, I would, I would have my bills taken care of to that level doing random things, eBay, DoorDash, Uber, uh, it could be a regular job that I care nothing about, something that's a little bit more autopilot and, uh, you know, kind of like just just mindless work. I would spend all the rest of the energy and, and, and energy and attention and mindset doing the following. I would probably dive deep into really analyzing what it is I need to learn and what and how is that connected to how is that connected to my five to seven year goal professionally? And I would look for two different internships. I would look for one internship that's, 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 that's structured in a way where there's someone that I look up to there that I really would have learned from where I'm just literally doing any and all things just to be closer to that human being. And then the second internship I would get, if I could have the bandwidth to pull it off would really be tactical. I would say, Hey, here are the things that I want to learn how to do and here are the things that I can do. I will literally jump in and do any of these things as much as I can for free. Plug me in, like give me an opportunity coach. And I would do it from that angle as well. And once I got into those, both of those internships, I would spend all of my time meeting as many human beings as I can, letting them know that I'm here to learn and I'm here to give value. And, um, and that would probably by osmosis and just life inevitably create probably the first 10 to 15 human beings that 
may be meaningful for your career in the next five years, probably. So that's probably what I would do if that's a that's an out of the box answer. Yeah, no, it's a great answer because it touches on um, one of the things that I definitely want to talk about as far as uh, putting yourself out there with intentionality, like kind of like, kind of like or, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, we'll call it an agenda or, or goals, right? Um, but, but taking a step back from that, um, it's always, like, like you said, like you have, there's it's such a broad sort of term just to go network and go do things or just go find a job, uh, like you said. Uh, it, you have to kind of identify focus, right? Or be able to uh, look at either an internship, uh, a, a job posting, a company, a career path, whatever. Um, I feel like a lot of people get lost in the enormity of all of it and they just kind of click away and they're just looking for anything. But let's assume that there is like a specific company that you want to work for or a specific position or internship that you're looking at. Um, a lot of people where they kind of get lost or, or don't even know how to begin is how to beyond clicking on the app, the apply button, how to actually uh, identify uh, and connect with who it is that might be like a decision maker there. Do you have any kind of tips for the, uh, anyone in that kind of situation? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm in that situation myself right now. <laughs> so I'm probably going to take my own advice and I haven't done this yet. So I'm probably going to try to take my own advice. Um, I actually need to do this. <laughs> I would I would give I would take the advice that I gave you but in a really strategic way. So, I'll take my situation and another example just to to break it down. So, for those listening, obviously I play in the HR space, the organizational, you know, design and development space, the the OD space, the before, you know, whatever space you want to kind of categorize it in, right? Um and then let's come up with another example. Let's say this individual you're talking about plays in the marketing space. Um, I probably would start a blog and or a podcast and I would, and I seriously, I, James, I need, I need to do this. So like, I want you to hold me accountable <laughs> and make me do this. Cause I haven't done this yet. Um, okay. I, I would probably reach out to the head of people and or the head of marketing, which would be the supervisor of those two roles, right. That I just, you know, those two examples I just gave. Um, and I would ask them to be on my podcast. I would ask them to be on the podcast. I would have every single question designed around what they care about, what they're good at, what information they want to share. And immediately overnight, I would have their phone number, their email, their LinkedIn within a CRM that I would keep track of. And once the conversation was done and I did a great job asking them questions, I would inevitably uh, ask them directly or tell them directly about just who I am, where my goals are, and what I'm inevitably trying to do. And at some point, if you had the conversation well enough and if you created enough value for them through just good vibes and a good conversation and and, 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 and carrying on at a, at a really high level, one of them hearing your situation and your story may say, you know what, there's someone I know or slash, you know what, I have something here. For those that are really ballsy, I would go direct and just tell them, hey, I really enjoyed this conversation. I would love an internship here. I would love an opportunity to learn from you and see what they say. Now, for those that are a little bit more neurodiverse and those that maybe aren't as honest or open or excited about, you know, starting a podcast, because that can be scary, I would think about the blog version of it. Um, I think starting out a blog and literally taking submissions from people and, and interviewing them in the form of a blog where you send them an email, send them six or seven different questions via email and they send you back six or six or seven different answers could also work. Um those are typically my go-tos because I think when you do that, you're giving them value and you're putting them on a pedestal and human beings at a psychology level love being put on pedestals and love being made feel, uh, being, you know, they love feeling special in that 60 to 90 minute moment. Um, and then you always get the win as well by having phone numbers, emails, LinkedIn's, Twitter handles um, overnight. And then if you do a great job of keeping track of them, and if you do a great job about building the relationship, at some point, one of those will click. Um, so that's what I'm going to do, actually. Literally, <laughs> for moving on, every other company that I apply to, I'm going to just ask the head of people or the CEO to come into my podcast, and they're probably going to say yes. There you go. Well, then uh, I will do my best to keep up with you to like track your progress because, um, uh, again, that, that's something that we talked about months ago, and here we are talking on a podcast doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, which is 
like again, that, that that's something that has a very hyper specific focus, and obviously not everybody's going to have the, the same kind of focus that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, but the the question that I would always be brought to me in terms of like when I was recruiting or even I just like talk to friends, family, or whomever how to like go about starting a search. Um, how how to best like utilize LinkedIn specifically um, for better or worse we all sort of just live in LinkedIn and it's kind of like this effusive uh, space where apparently this is where people make connections and get jobs right mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure you're like me and, and vice versa that you are mindlessly kind of clicking away on on connecting with people and people are mindlessly clicking away on you and connecting with you. Um, how like whether again whether you're entry level or trying to talk to like a a, a head of people or a head of talent whatever um regardless level how, how would you go about doing that and just kind of like kind of really just reaching out to people randomly they had no idea to know or um I guess the other thing to kind of think about is you're thinking about an answer here. I've always been a, a firm believer of the one uh, job, uh, John Wooden principle, you know, activity is an achievement. Um, I'm sure if you click it on enough and reach it and make have enough connections, you always see those, uh, those lying uh, uh, people on LinkedIn who connect with everybody and anyone. Um, but like a lot of that's just like empty calories. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I, I think it just asked you like six questions there, but like uh, from, uh, really just just using LinkedIn or just like kind of using it as a tool uh, uh, how, how would you go about doing that and the, the flip side of that question is what would you really try to avoid doing as far as just surfing and living in the space I think for me the, the tip would probably be super simple I would just try to u- utilize the search engine in LinkedIn and just get really granular around who I'm actually trying to connect with so I would be really sure about the titles I would then go into their profile and look at any and all content that they have and just see if there's a point of view that they have that they're sharing that you can actually get behind. Um, and then I think even getting even more granular, when you add the note, I'd be thoughtful about the note. Be very upfront and transparent and honest about why you're trying to connect. Be thoughtful about what you saw via their platform uh, or, or their, their profile, what you saw via their title, what you've learned about the company. Thus, why you wanted to reach out. I think just doing a spray and attack is never a great idea. I think thoughtful, ne- you know, oh, it's getting windy out there. Um, I think, sorry about that. I think, um, I think thoughtful notes that you add to the invitation, I think thoughtful, you know, perspectives around why you're trying to connect with that person and what maybe that person connects with or what content they put out that you resonate with. I think just being more of a human being and not a robot is always a good idea. Um, and then, and then really, again, going back to the original kind of conversation, really having a plan around what you want to do once they accept that request and once they actually are willing to have a conversation with you. I think too many people don't have a plan. Too many people are a little bit just mindless and just floating through life when it comes to networking. And again, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the blog, whether it's simply just having a conversation with them and learning about the organization and just introducing yourself and letting them know your capabilities and seeing if there's any free opportunities for you to sink your teeth into some work. Um, have a plan. Add a really thoughtful note. Look through their content. Make sure you're you're typing in the right roles. So you're talking to the right people. Um, I would also say this too, and I've tried to do this more recently. Talking to folks that are maybe not on the highest ladder or the, or the chain or the hierarchy can also be a decent idea, right? Talking to even folks that are potentially going to be your colleagues um, and, and your peers could potentially be be helpful for them to put a good word in for you as well when the time is right. So those are some thoughts. Yeah, no, they're all great thoughts. And it's it's having what a lot of people have to kind of understand, particularly in LinkedIn, it, having a plan and not just just, you know, spray and pray. Um, there has to be like steps to a goal, right? Like I, I want to be rich. Like, okay, what are you going to do to be rich? Or I want to uh, uh, get this job. Like, well, aside from clicking on the button, what else are you going to do? And to your point, you know, you have to kind of like look into uh, uh, be a little more targeted as far as who you're going to try to connect with. And even further, um, when, when you do connect or at least reach out to connect with somebody, you can add a note. Um, but uh, being thoughtful, as you said, is extremely important because I don't remember what, what the character limit is, but it's essentially like 
I'm going to reach out to someone who could prospectively either be my direct boss or be the person that gets me like an interview. And, and I have like pretty much one tweet like length of, of like script to be able to like make a difference. Um, and you know, it's just like, as the old sort of like cliche or comparison goes, like trying to find a job is, it's a lot like dating. Mm. So like that, that's your opening line. Like, uh, and it, it's it, uh, the, there's much more uh, like many, many more layers to that onion of a person but you know when you walk up to someone you're interested or you walk up to a prospective employer that you're interested you could blow it in that first impression right yep and i would also say too something that just came to mind because i'm dealing with it and maybe i'll throw it to you since you have a recruiting background um i would also try obviously talking to some of the heads of talent the recruiters in their turn internally as well but I'll be honest with you. I'll be really honest with you, James. Some of the folks there in those roles are, are not the most strategic, are not the most thoughtful, and, and frankly, are probably bombarded with so many invitations and so many interactions that they've kind of turned into robots themselves. So um, this may not be the most positive thing, but I will be honest. If you, if you, are, if you do run into an in- interaction with a recruiter or a head of talent internally or someone who's responsible for... Um, um, someone that that's responsible for um, spending a lot of time stewarding the recruiting efforts or talking to potential candidates, you know, I, I'd be very thoughtful about how they respond or communicate with you. And, and, and that'll tell you a lot about if you want to continue trying to learn more about that company. I know that's a little bit more of a negative point of view, but it's something that I've noticed. And I think it can say a lot about how serious the company is about the recruiting and talent process because um, clearly those folks are not trained to be a little bit more humanistic and thoughtful. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Oh, I have many thoughts on that. In fact, that's the reason why I started my business. Um, I, I, I do have a recruiting background. I still sort of do searches, but like uh, for the most part, I, uh, I want to help or at least uh, any individual like that who is either become overworked or burnt out or um, uh, let's say dehumanized or, or desensitized to uh, uh, the people who are trying to reach out to you. Um, and, and like you talked about, I totally get it. You know, it's always interesting when you look at, uh, uh, and this is maybe like a generalization, but uh, there are two kinds of HR manager or uh, profiles on LinkedIn. There's somebody who is very detailed and says exactly what it is they do. They, they help with this area, they do this area, they do that area. And then there's the other HR kind of manager profile where it literally just says their name and where they work and literally nothing else. Um, and you can just tell it's like, you know, the, the, these, I, I don't blame anyone because there's so many random people like, reaching out to them all the time about everything. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to have this, this discussion because, you know, like, you're going to put yourself out there to so many people, but uh, a lot of people at least become discouraged by the whole process mentally because it's it's rejection. But for the vast majority of it, it's like you're not even. Uh, uh, I guess the ether doesn't acknowledge that you exist, and that like you know that that's dehumanizing. Um, and I, I I get that total frustration where you're just kind of screaming into the void, and you want the void to scream back to you, and the void being like these sort of like HR or these like. Uh, uh, talent or recruiting kind of entities um but at the same time you have to kind of be humanistic to them and that there are 200 people a day just trying to blow up their LinkedIn dms or they are reviewing 2000 or whatever enormous inordinate amount of resumes every single day and maybe two percent one percent of those resumes are even close to what it is they're looking for so you can see how somebody comes disenchanted and and this sort of thing and uh kind of like you talked about as far as somebody reaching out to someone like this uh someone like this has to kind of figure out a different way to be more targeted in their search process but again that's a whole other can of worms and kind of what is my whole business that there is um anyways getting back uh getting the train back on the on the rails here going back to recruiting um you know it's it's there's or i'm sorry going back to networking yeah there's 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 obviously like you know reaching out and trying to start from scratch being targeted trying to focus to people uh and the one thing you kind of talked about as far as like putting yourself out there and then making it known to everyone it is who you uh, reach out to or meet what it, what your goals are 
Could you talk about how to do that? Again, there are a lot of different people who have a lot of different levels of comfort. Um, but I, I feel like, and it's just like people who are, you know, you're like your first day, like a new school or a new company or something like that. There's just a shyness that, that mo most people naturally have, or they feel, I don't know, like there's some kind of psychological barrier to them, like voicing what it is their goals are. Um, could you give advice how to number one, like be able to uh, uh, shape your goals and number two, how to go about talking about this without sounding like a self-centered jerk? And talking, let me clarify the question, talking about your goals without being a self-centered jerk? Yeah, so like, kind of like you talked about, like mm -hmm. as far as like the internship, like I want to, I'm here to learn this, I want to learn that, and like I want to be able to like learn these things to gain whatever. Um, but at the same time, like, like I, I, I'm sure that line teeters to opportunist or narcissist pretty like closer than you would want it to or, or somebody else would want to. You know, James, I don't know if I have a great answer for that because, you know, I think I'm a super, let me think about that. That's a good question because I think I'm a super direct and honest person um, where if it comes off as, you know, selfish or if it comes off as, you know. Uh, well, let me re reframe the question. Yeah, please. So, so put your, uh, uh, your head of people uh, hat on and... Um, part of being a head of people or a talent manager is to really um, do performance reviews, right? Yeah. And uh, and this is anecdotal. I'm sure you, you have a lot more experience than I, but I feel like a lot of people just try to survive their performance reviews or just try to like get it over with as quickly as possible. And there are as a much smaller segment of people that I think we're trying to talk about here of people who try to actually uh, gain something functionally from that. So how, how would those conversations be different from someone who's just trying to like, you know, just have the quarterly meeting, get back to work and keep their head down versus somebody who shows ambition? And, and let me and let me ask you this. I like this is fun here. We're trying to really figure out the value we want to give. Are you giving that example from the from the head of people's point of view or giving that example from the employee's point of view? Because I think there's two different points of views to unpack. Both. I want to learn everything. What do you got? Yeah, I think... So when it comes to performance reviews, I think, I mean, you're going to open up a whole can a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll crack it open a little bit. I think from the head of people's point of view, I think the biggest thing is I don't even want to get into how it should be structured, how it should be set up. I mean, it's there's pretty uniform best practices out there. But I think the one variable that I don't see enough heads of people thinking about when it comes to performance reviews is contextualizing the conversation and the experience and giving the employee and utilizing an employee's first mindset, an opportunity to unpack context that can change the overall point of view that the head of people has on that employee, right? Because when a head of people goes into that performance review conversation, they already have their pros and their cons outlined, and they already have a way of how they're going to communicate that. But I think starting out, they should also, prior to the conversation of the performance review, um, give the employee an opportunity to get their own thoughts in line around what that employee and or, yeah, what that employee's direct report and or supervisor could have done differently that could have provided more positive outcomes, would have could have changed some of the negative um, data points that may come across in that performance review. I think also there could be contextual realities of, workflows, consumer and customer and or client interactions, fellow teammates, like things like there are so many nuance and gray areas that head of people just completely miss over, don't give employees an opportunity to share and unpack or just completely don't even have it built into the process to review that could really change the inevitable outcome of the good and the bad. Um, and then I think from I think from an employee's perspective, I think heading into the, the performance review, I think and again, I know this is kind of my own probably selfish point of view. I personally always push the employees to walk in being kind of very selfish, if I'm being frank with you, because I think there's not many organizations that are good at those conversations. So I think as an employee, look, I see the good. I see the bad. Thank you for that objective feedback. But I'm here to really grow and I'm here to learn. And I'm here to give really tangible feedback around what I need more of from my team members, what I need more of from this organization more things that I want to do to put myself in a better position to have a little less bad things and bad data when hearing a little more good things. And here's a little bit more about my learning styles, my communication styles, or my needs and my preferences. 
And I know that sounds very me, 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 I, I, I. But if I'm being very honest with you, there's an argument that can be made, James. And I know I'm probably getting into more of a personal development heady world. That if human beings are a little bit more me, 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 I, 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 from a level of trying to get themselves together and be, be and become better humans and better professionals, that holistically it makes the world a better place. Like if everyone could get their ish, and I ain't going to curse on your podcast, to get, <laughs> if everyone could get their ish together and really think about what it is they need, information, better processes, more interactions with leaders, Whatever it's going to be, if they can get their ish together individually, you know how much better they're actually going to show up when it's time to do the work or interact with their team members. So I actually think there's an argument that could be made that individuals and humans need to be a little bit more selfish to be a little less selfish when we get to the actual work and to try to provide value to the organizations. So I think that could be said for recruiters, that could be said for heads of people, that could be said for leaders, that could be said for employees. Um... That's my answer. I know I just gave you a lot, but that's kind of a little all over the place. But that's a little bit of the psychology of how I think about these things, if I'm being honest with you. No, that, that, that's a great answer because uh, I completely agree. Like uh, people being, uh, uh, quote unquote, more selfish is. Uh, from, well, let me, from, from the point of view of trying to make themselves more whole and better so that they can give the organizations more. Absolutely. So what I was actually going to say or build off of that is like, uh, I think the you know, business is full of buzzwords, right? Uh, or buzz terms. So like the personal advocacy is the thing that people really have to be more comfortable with because, you know, just as the term very clearly uh, explained itself, if you don't advocate for yourself, unless you have somebody who's like a real cheerleader for you in an organization, you know, uh, just because your mom says you're the most handsome guy in school doesn't make it so. You have to actually be able to, like, uh, uh, be very clear about, like, your, your preferences, your goals. Um, and it's – this is why I want to have this conversation out loud because I think people know this. You know, like, it's not that just people are these, like, listless sort of just, like, you know, uh, uh, cogs in the machine. And it, it can really feel like that, particularly if you're uh, – depending on the culture of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you, doesn't, even if your employee, like 10,001 of like a hundred thousand employee, like sort of company, there's still opportunities that there's still these like smaller spheres in which you can advocate for yourself. And networking is a really important way to do that, whether it be in a formalized sort of format, like a performance review, or the next thing I'm actually kind of curious about, um, even amongst your peers uh, in a role that you feel very comfortable with or even with a company that you're very comfortable with. You know, like part of like a a big thing that networking can deliver for you if you know how to utilize it correctly is how to uh, not even necessarily get promotions or things like that, how to get work done, how to get projects done. And in fact, like recruiting in in itself is really just like a very humanistic uh, oriented like uh, project management. Mm -hmm. But that just means that I have to be able to quote, like talk to people like better, more efficiently Mm. and be able to network with people better. But, um, from, and all the things that you've done or are doing are all very project driven and, uh, uh, to be able to accomplish any of them, you have to be able to network in a lot of different places. So yeah, we're all trying to make transactions and get more clients and blah, 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 or even promotions. But just like, how do you, how can you utilize networking to even just get your daily work done? That's another interesting thing. Um, you can, you can utilize networking to get your job done as an employee. I'm a big advocate on this. So I'll give a, I'll give a really tangible point of view and I'll be vulnerable on this podcast, James. Um, being a founder since being a founder since 19 brings a lot of pros and brings a lot of cons. I'll be very vulnerable and I haven't talked about this a lot. And I think it's important that I unpack this more for myself. When you're a founder. So, so James, I started companies from 19 with an idea and then I built a team around me immediately. Kind of what you're doing is, hey, I'm a consultant or I'm an entrepreneur or a boss of one. I'm a jack of all trades. I will eventually build once I have enough business coming in. Would you say that's more or less how you're doing it? Oh, yeah. No, if this is the, the vulnerable space. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely in the uh, uh, I have a concept. I think it's a great concept. But at the same time, like I 
uh, I'm on either uh, the ups and downs are very up and very down. And you're going to be the one personally doing the work. That's right. Right. Um, I'll take even beyond brand for an example. When I built the ideation of Beyond Brand, I came up with the idea. I immediately placed a team of eight people around me from day one. And it's when, this is going to get to the networking conversation. So I think for me, what I realized is being vulnerable is doing that since 19. I built out a lot of skills and a lot of capabilities at a high level, right? But in a granular level, I'm not the greatest at tactical marketing. I'm not the greatest at compensation plans and design. I'm not the greatest at performance reviews. I'm not the greatest at one-on-one design. I'm not the greatest when it comes to DE&I strategy and execute. You know, I am, I've never jumped in those rabbit holes as that person of one because I've always either been the strategic head of people that sits at the top that has a team around him or I've always been the founder of a company. So I've always built things around me and built capabilities around me. And so I've always leaned on and had to learn how to network and build a team around me and to do things. And so my tip directly now is, and, and I, I guess I'll explain why it's vulnerable. Because people are saying, that sounds great. <laughs> it sounds great, but it's not so great when you're trying to find a job where, and you know this, James, they say you're, they're looking for a head of people. But really, it's like, hey, dude, we have like a HR team of like three people. So I need you to do recruiting. Yeah. I need you to do compensation. I need you to do policy. I need you to like rewrite our handbook. You're like, and I'm like, oh, shit. I, I'm not that guy, James. Like, hold on now. Talk. Like, and, and so the tip that I've been doing, James, to get to your point here, as an employee, like, because I'm interviewing for jobs now, I say, hey, uh, I want to do this head of people thing for you, but let me give you a different point of view on how I would do it. Um, I have very strategic and macro points of views of the work that we need to get done here. But what I'm going to do is if you're willing to pay me a buck 80, pay me 127 or 130 and let me take that other 30, 40, 50,000. Let me build a little fractional team around me to jump into the weeds. Oh no, you don't have the budget to do that. No worries. I'll recruit a little roster of people around me that just want to get some things done and want to volunteer and just be scrappy or just want to, try to support and work, which you, James, you know, there are people out there that will do that and I'll have them support me. So it's the same thing to give you your tangible answer. If you're an employee listening to this right now or someone looking for a job answering, looking for this right now, and you want to utilize networking to get to, to, to be better at your job, I would do the same thing. Like do what you do best, network and build a team, a little collective around you that you either pay finances for it, or if you don't have it, don't pay for and utilize their resources, utilize their their decks or their frameworks or their points of views or their advice or their time or their 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 again their their bandwidth that they're volunteer for you to, to jump in on certain projects. Like utilize that to your to your advantage. And 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 it's easy to a certain degree. There are LinkedIn groups, there are Facebook groups, there are Twitter, there are Twitter threads. Like there are so many different communities of people of that are like-minded that are doing the same job that you're doing, that have worked on certain projects that you worked on that can give you a shortcut to the inevitable objectives and outcomes that you need to deliver for your employer. So um I would love to get your opinion on that, James, because I know that's a very outside the box way of thinking about it. And if you know my history, which you now do, you probably can understand why that's actually an easier path for me and a more productive path for the organization. And here's the last thing I'll say to you, James. How many things have you done in your own personal business or you you being an employee where you did things that you know for a fact you weren't the best person to do it? And if you just took a little bit more time to network and bring somebody in to do it, you could have oversaw what they're doing and it could have got done for the organization better than you doing it. And it would have saved you time and energy doing other things that you actually are great at doing. Ah, what a great question. So um, <laughs> most of all, if not everything I've ever done, I, I, well, I, I would say that I either messed it up three times uh, or it, it cost me a lot of money. Otherwise, I don't know how to do it. But to your point, um, and, and that's that's why I, I love all your answers to, to these things because there's a very direct answer to what you're talking about. But uh, extrapolating, especially the the, uh, uh, the utilization part of like the resources and the people around you, that that 
that that's the best answer because what a lot of people are afraid of maybe not even afraid of but like just because the way that systems and structure or again culture sometimes um things just become too siloed mm-hmm. um one like accounting and finance can't talk to supply chain you got to go through like the uh some kind of like bureaucracy or all, all these like artificial layers are, are just they're there whether somebody put them there or they kind of just like develop like these things happen and you're right i feel like a lot of times there are people who are just like it's it's not even that they 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 won't go talk to somebody else or like they don't even know how to begin to utilize other resources and people around them um so again most of my my background is in supply chain manufacturing you see this in a lot of like lean discussions or like like kaizen or a lot of like uh, like learning development and like sort of like uh, um, all these sort of like omni sort of like uh, uh, workplaces that are, are supposed to be able to like create these like sort of uh, interactions or uh, accidental like uh, epiphany moments, um, which is also really interesting to think about, especially as we kind of work in these decentralized work uh, spaces. But, you know, if we're trying to create interaction or, or even under the guys or at least the specific goal of interaction for, uh, for, um, for the purpose of utility, like th- this is the only way that you could get it done or it could, it could be done easier, more efficiently. If you think about society in general, like it, it's, it's really a very elaborate web of networking and mm-hmm. that like, I don't have to grow my own food. Oh, and then like the farmer doesn't have to be able to like, uh, uh push commerce forward in such a way. It's and, all supported and connected. And, and, and James, let me do a quick call out. I know this isn't the, the purpose of this, but, but, but it kind of is too. Let me do a quick call out to any employer listening to this. Cause I'll be very honest with you. I've been, I've applied to easily 90 companies had 17 interviews and you know the data on that that's pretty standard i mean you apply to you know you're only going to get 5 10 15 of the company I mean, you know how it goes it, it, you know, the market out here is crazy right now through you know everyone's applying to companies um you know and then out of those 17 i've probably been to the final rounds four times second round a bunch you know so here's a punchline every time i get to that point they always ask me, well, we need this, 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 and this, and they get really granular. And I'm not going to lie to them, James, right? I either A, have no desire to do it, so it'll just make me go crazy, or B, I'm not the best person to do it. Like, even simple granular things. Like, I'm not the best person to do full cycle recruiting. Like, quite literally. And you, James, you probably were like, bro, full cycle recruiting. It's, it's, <laughs> once you do it, it's easy, bro. Like, like, and it's like, uh, maybe, I, yeah, I don't want to do that, right? But but here's a punchline. The thing that I want to say to all the employers, right? And this is from this hybrid character, this half entrepreneur, half half founder, CEO, you know, allow any applicants that are a little bit like me and applicants, if you're listening, leverage my skill set, please do it. Allow them to build a little collective around themselves inside the organization and out. And this is for managers too, James. You want the employees that you lead to do nothing but the things that they do exceptionally well and love. You can ask any person that works for me today. You can ask Ross. You can ask Heather. You can ask any employee I have today. You will do nothing but the things that you love and that you're great at. And if there are things that I need that role to do that you can't do, we will have an honest conversation about the compensation and the other things that you know, we we will do a nice pulling, you know, little little yin and yang between the organization's financial bandwidth as well as your financial needs. And we'll find a way to make sure those things get done for the org and our deliverables. But also we'll get the things that you want to get done for your future career and your endeavors. And if Rasha or if Heather or any of my employees or partners comes to me and says, hey, I know the company needs this, but listen, I'd be willing to take $8 less or I'd be willing to reallocate some budget or guess what? I networked on the company's behalf and I found someone to do this for very cheap or, or Rasha did the other day, James, she found someone to help us with some of our design work that is exceptional. That just was looking for an internship. And now we have some design work done. Now it's off of Rasha's plate and it's better than what Rasha would have done. And it's what the company needs. Like, like allow your applicants and employees to be flexible, to network, 
Focus on getting things done. Don't focus on how you wrote out the JD and what you think you need and X, Y, and Z. Like, don't be so rigid in your thinking. It would do me a big favor, a person that's trying to find a job right now, and it would do the world a big favor because there are more people out there that want to do things that they love versus do things that are just in the job description and just autopilot, just, you know, push through it. Like, it's just, it's just not worth it, and it's just not... ROI positive for anyone across the board. Completely right. There are rigid uh, and over-focused or, or a couple of things you kind of talked about. Um, I, I'm going to I should start a hashtag, not all hiring managers. Um, but yeah, th- there are obviously great like leaders and hiring managers and corporate entities that like do exactly what you're kind of talking about. But unfortunately, um, there are some managers or, or people who are in charge of hiring where I don't know. I mean, we're talking about like the psychological focus of things. Like I feel like a lot of times people are just trying to re- uh, replicate themselves or they really want that. Like if there's a job description that has 12 things on it, they better have 13. You better come up with 13. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you and I, I'm sure you've written or and, like, obviously hired people like they most of all jobs have like maybe two, maybe four things that are like 90% of that job and everything else is just everything else. And like you said, like that's the fat off the bone. Like, like that, that's the kind of margin of error where you could kind of like, you know, like it's important. It's obviously part of the job, but it's like, but it, it's something that we don't have to like deny people of work, especially if like you're really good at one of those two to four things and who cares? You're not as great at like the ancillary thing. But I don't know, like, I, I feel, and you see this in a lot of, like, larger, like, more mature uh, organizations that are, quote-unquote, well-established, um, of the, which also means that their HR and hiring process is uh, well-established. Because, you know, for you and me, job descriptions, they're almost kind of, like, superfluous, right? Yeah. But at, on a very large macro HR compliance, like, uh, level, there are, I'm sure you've even seen and or heard, like, instances where that job description is a legal document. Like, you know, the, the, this is what the, like, this is the part of my description. So, or I've been exploited in this sort of way, which can happen. I don't want to like trivialize that in any sort of way either. Uh, but at the same time, if you want to tap the, the full capability or for, for that matter, unlock some kind of hidden skill of somebody, you got to be more open, right? Yeah, you got to be more open. And I'm, and, and, and this is the last thing I'll say, I don't know where you want to take this from here, but the, the. <laughs> The, the hidden skills thing, James, you're going to make me go crazy on your podcast here. <laughs> I, I, I have pushed. So why are, let me ask, let me actually ask you, cause you know, I'm a hybrid, so I haven't gotten down into the, the, the rabbit holes of this for folks that have been in recruiting their entire careers, right? Walk me through why organizations, heads of people, heads of talent, CEOs are not training and or forcing and or supporting recruiters to figure out a guideline, a methodology of looking for and searching for ancillary skill sets that don't show up on the 15 bullet points that you think that this person needs to be able to go onto a screening call or round one or round two. Like, like, you know, and I, I gave this to my podcast the other day and I could hear it in her voice and I don't want to... Actually, hold on. Let me pause. I don't want to. I, I was going to make a statement that I was going to get myself in trouble. I don't want to do it in your podcast. Let me see how I'm going to do this. There was an individual. Let me figure it out. Let me, let me PR myself. There was an individual that I could tell had not been doing this this long. Let's just say that. Okay. Okay. And I could tell she was being very robotic, reading off of a script, looking at 15 different bullet points, and, and she was listening for the right answers to those 15 different bullet points. She could tell she was not trained to listen to my experience, like for example, Beyond Brand, the company Beyond Brand sits in between recruiting, talent strategy, DEI, um, many different factors. Being the CEO and the founder of that company, placing a team in that company, supporting the strategy of that company, clearly gives me some sort of indication of the hybrid and the cross between DEI and recruiting and talent and other things. And if you have one of your bullet points that you want someone that has experience because it showed up a little bit differently than most, I could tell she wasn't trained to listen for that. She wasn't trained to be like, oh, the fact that he built that beyond brand business, that actually kind of 
is layered in with what we're looking for when we think about DEI or we think about talent and sourcing and recruiting. Mm, that's interesting. Maybe he does have something there. Let's let, let's let's lean into that. Let's let's be curious about that. Tell tell me why people aren't trained to listen for that. Okay. So um, for editing purposes, uh, uh, I guess what we'll do is uh, um, kind of do, to concisely talk about without like you know throwing anyone under the bus. Uh, I guess the, like the, that last sort of like sentence you just said there, if you could repeat that and just like say like, you know, why aren't people trained to look, look beyond the, the sort of bullet points? And then I'll, I'll give you the reason. Yeah. Why? Yeah. 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 Why, yeah. So, so, so pretty. So I'll give it three, two, one and give that answer. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll roll from there. And just pretty much say, why aren't people trained around that? Just repeat that again. Yep. 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 Cool. So yeah. That works. Yep. Three, two, one. Yeah, James. So, like, pretty much, why aren't people trained to really just look outside of the box a little bit, listen for different ancillary skills that maybe don't look the exact part of what you have on that list of what you're listening for, but to listen outside the box and kind of do a little bit of pattern matching? What are your thoughts on that? So, the problem with recruiting, well, it's kind of my own cliche, but. The great thing about recruiting is that anyone could do it. it. It rewards people for being entrepreneurial, hardworking, and all the sort of stuff that we love, right? The problem with recruiting is that anyone can do it. And for that matter, the way that it's taught is to really that like for everyone. There is no specific training, really. It's it is really metrics driven to like and like I would always cynically joke when when I have, uh, actually didn't work at the house anymore. Well, I, I'm off to the people minds. Because that's kind of what you're just doing. You're just like digitally or like over the phone, like mining for people. So it's, uh, you know, companies get the, or, or firms or recruiting or even internal, external, whatever, they get their recs in and then there's job description. And then you just have to churn out like uh, from a pure probabilistic standpoint, X amount of resumes or as many resumes as you need till you get whatever it is you're finding for. You find that diamond buried underneath all, all everything, right? Um, and really, and again, as far as an overgeneralization, the, people will have empathy, people will have intuition, or they will like some people will actually have the focus of learning a specific sector of recruiting, whether it's IT, A and F or, or whatever, uh, and then they'll actually become specialized. And that's where they actually will learn to be able to ask qu uh, questions or probe for things that aren't on the page. But for the most part, and especially if you're a company, uh, and especially if you're like a mid-sized company, even like like a company of like five thousand people, it may surprise you that like they probably only have about four le less than ten people doing recruiting for that entire company, even internationally. And of those four, like that small amount of team, they are one minute they're they're uh, a marketing recruiter, the other minute they're searching for executive. In between, they're HR generalist. They're doing billing. They're handling internal complaints. So th there is no level or at least apparatus for them to be able to grow a brain, uh, to put it as far as a pejorative. So, and what, what what the way to really fix that is, is that you have to kind of like teach the recruiter to be able to gain more out of the relationship with the hiring manager because unless somebody really is just a diamond in the rough and they are just a genuinely like polymath, like intelligent person, they won't be able to become an expert in everything. I'm a pretty smart guy. I, I'm not really good at IT recording. It's something you just haven't touched as much, right? But what I do know how to do is how to like, have the conversation with the hiring manager or, or the company or whatever, like uh, whoever's in charge of the decision and being able to distill out those three to four things that are the actual core of the role, not the whole list of 12. Now, uh, the real skill thereafter is being able to present a candidate that's not quote unquote perfect and then being able to say, okay, well, this is not, it doesn't have uh, uh, everything you're looking for, but this is, these are the reasons why I think this person could be good. And these are the reasons why I think this person could bring you more or the, like, uh, or could be the found money that you didn't even intend to like, uh, look for. However, um, as you've experienced, and I'm sure as a lot of people have experienced, like, uh, um, listen to this, you just, you just don't run into those people and, and hiring too much. Yeah, it's 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 a shame. It's a shame. It's it's something that um it's something I've advised organizations to think a little bit more about. I've I've ranted about it. 
Um, you know, I've, I've only strategized about it and ranted about it and put it out to the world and supported any recruiters that I personally led. Um, but I haven't figured out a, a true method to the madness or a or a, a, a true policy and structure. I think the, the biggest thing I can say to any organization listening around this or any recruiter listening or anyone, frankly, um, I think having an, a, a skill of facilitation. Right. I, I had an interview the other day, the, 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 the recruiter, he was so great at facilitating and just being curious about things that I was in, that I was involved in and just connecting the dots. Um, and he hadn't I could tell there was no clear understanding of exactly what I was doing. But, you know, he was just great at asking questions and facilitating and prying and opening up. And and I think that's something that we as networkers, we as recruiters we as human beings just need to be able to foster that skill and curate that skill so yeah hey if uh if you are an organization recruiting firm or someone who wants to get better at that skill give me a call um tongue-in-cheekly but yeah no that, that, that's what i do um and then uh kind of wrapping up the conversation yep. is, uh we kind of talked about hiring um I don't think i don't have the exact stat on this but i know it's like some minuscule number but i think it's like two percent five percent or less of like all hires are done through like actually like randomly clicking on a a job posting Mm -hmm. which means that like 90 plus percent of people are hired either through uh some kind of networking device whether it's somebody that the hiring managers themselves knows some kind of referral or they were brought in by like some kind of recruiting entity so um since you have been a hiring manager of many different teams, as you kind of talked about, how do you use networking to hire the people around you? You know, I've actually gone, I've actually leaned the other way. So I guess I'll just give another, I'll just give a macro tip. I mean, everyone that's either worked for me or with me um, has mainly been through, like you said, you know, reaching out through a network. So essentially what I do personally, like to get pretty tangible is I put together just, I always have an active ongoing CRM list of just connectors. So I literally have human beings in my life that are literally just in my life to connect me with other people, like quite literally. Um, So every time I start a business or every time I'm inside of an organization and I want to fill a role um, or support for the role, because I'm not technically you know, I don't I don't get all the way in the weeds of that nature, but I just I utilize that 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 that, that list of connectors. Um, I advise most people to, to, to form a list of connectors and a connector to me to define it as someone that has a wide network, but that is empathetic enough to your goals. That is kind enough. That is that is curious enough to to see you win and succeed that you can admit to them. Hey, you were in my life outside of the fact that I just think you're a great person and you're fun to know. You're in my life because of your network and I would love to I would love to leverage your network. If you're just honest with people about that, you'd be very surprised how many people want to help you get to know other people. Um, so I have a list of connectors that I have. Um, James, you're on my list of connectors as well. Um, Likewise. And so that's just one facet. And then for me, though, what I will say is getting more into like the equitable environment here. I've actually been trying to. You know, you know, with the company right now that we're working with, with Beyond Brand Studios, I've, I've really been trying to push them to lean heavy on their, their network, but but also lean heavy on their um, lean heavy on looking through and being very curious and, and observant to some of the applications that come in and and kind of compare the both. I think I think there are times where companies lean too heavy on networks, too heavy on who, you know too heavy on a friend of a friend or a colleague of a colleague or a brother or a sister or a cousin of another, you know, I I think, and and don't give enough credit and enough attention and enough of an equitable experience to those that are just coming in more of the traditional way. Um, So I've been leaning a little bit more into actually, hey, just because we may know a few folks from through our network, let's still pay attention to the 60 or 70 folks that just came through the traditional pipeline here. And let's really look at the, the pure data and not just lean heavily, fully on our emotions and the fact that we know of someone. Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts on that last piece, but. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I definitely do because, you know, it's 
a lot of hiring in general, no matter how it's practiced, a lot of it comes down to risk aversion. And that's why people do utilize their network so much mm -hmm. because, you know, that that natural warm connection is supposed to like mitigate risk. But at the same time, as we've kind of been talking about, how, how do you introduce any kind of level of diversity or different level of thinking if you're just kind of like creating these sort of like networked echo chambers, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yep. A lot of great stuff here. I got three last questions for you. So we're going to give like a, 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 a kind of like sound buddy question. So um, well, this entire show has been about advice for people in hiring in general. Um, what kind of advice do you have for candidates? Oh, all right. So I have another company called Beyond Resume, a little slight plug. Here's my advice to candidates. Be very clear on a few different areas. Be very clear on what you need when it comes to career mapping in the, in the next 18 months to two years. I think too many folks take jobs not asking intentionally enough throughout the interview process. Hey, company, quite literally and realistically, what's the opportunity that I will have to at least even put in a bid for me being the marketing director here and I'm coming in as a copywriter, right? Like what's the, that's my goal. My goal is to be a marketing director of a company. Um, copy is not just something I do. I do many other things, but I'm coming in for this particular title. I want to have an opportunity to be a head, uh, to be the head of marketing in two years. Is there a learning and development track? Is there a mentorship track? Is there a window of that realistically within two years? And if so, paint that picture for me at a granular level. Intentionality and is a big part of personal advocacy. So I love that answer. So uh, same question, but from the flip side, what kind of advice do you have for hiring managers or companies? The exact same statement, but reverse. Uh, and then my last question. Oh, well, let me, well, let me expand oh, on that. Ahead, please. Yeah. Because that's why, be, that's why beyond brand and beyond resume are brothers and sisters to each other, right? Because when an applicant come, my goal in life, James, is for an applicant to come in and give that question and then, a, and then a brand to laugh and say, watch this, click this link here. That's my goal because the brand, I want you to do the exact same thing. I want you to say very explicitly you know, when it comes to decision making with this particular role in the first 90 days, here's how you personally can build trust with me based off of who I am, how I grew up, how I process decisions. Here's my decision making framework. Here's how you can build trust with me. Here's what it really is going to look like for you to for you to present a new idea. And here's how I process innovation. You know what that's going to do, James? That's going to tell a candidate that may be super eager to jump in with their big brand new ideas. And it's going to give them a granular idea of how to actually communicate those new ideas. And if this is the type of culture that's going to work well with their idea generation ideologies. Right. So it's all about it's all about it's all about dating. It's all about matching it up. It's all about taking one human and another human, one company and another human and, and just making sure in the middle there's synergy. So that's the goal for me. Love that you expanded on it and in that way because that's one thing i really tell companies and hiring managers for that matter is that it, the, the real missed opportunity in interviewing like yeah if you put up a posting or some kind of opening people are going to click on it just because people need jobs right but really what you have to kind of think about is that it's it's customer service right your your company is a product or is you have to be able to attract people to come over to you and there's a reason why they call it a talent market because talent is a resource and you know a lot of people could do job x at like a hundred different places right mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that have a lot of different jobs but why do they want to go do it for you like like and yeah you're the, the company provides them with with like a, a means of living blah 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 but at the same time the, the re, like this is capitalism that employee like give, uh, provides value in, in reverse so love that answer um last question for you uh, uh you kind of talked a little bit about it throughout the conversation but uh who can i connect you with who could the audience connect you with who do you want to slide into your linkedin dms um search firms individual recruiters um Anyone that sits in between like recruiting talent and DE&I, um, DE&I firms, HR firms, um, 
Yeah. And also, you know, applicants, you know, anyone that's searching for a job, you know, if you want to go through a beyond resume process and really understand what you need to figure out about you, it could be about what your thought processes are around when it comes to decision making, what your needs are when it comes to career mapping realistically, what your needs are when it comes to leadership communication styles and preferences. Many things that I think if, if you're an applicant that wants to start being a little bit more selfish in the process, give me a call and I can help you do that and prepare for the interview. Love it. And, you know, we all need that to is we call it personal advocacy. But if if AJ can advocate for you or like teach you how to do it better, then I, uh, to your point, I think we all be a little bit better off being just a little bit more selfish or at least more intentional about what we're doing. Right. And the last thing I'll say, James, you know, you know, let's let's really find some time to really granularly understand your business model. There has to be a way that you and I can can help each other, um, you know, with some of the things you're working on. So let's let's find a way to partner at some point when when the time is right. And that people is why you network because you try to help each other. So that's the perfect way to end. Uh, AJ, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you again so much for being on, and we'll definitely talk soon. I appreciate you, brother. And that's it, man.